0: Alright, so in this episode, what I'm going to be talking about is the transgender debate. So, the subject in and of itself is a pretty touchy subject uh, for a lot of people, almost to the point where a lot of people will refuse to even discuss it. A lot of people don't even want to touch the fucking topic, right? Now, the thing with that is, is that I believe if it isn't discussed, then how will any progress be made on it? Now, I'm going to be covering a few different subtopics that relate to the trans subject, but first let me start off by saying that I have absolutely no problem whatsoever with transgender people, the transgender community, and everything in and around them. What is an issue though that I feel needs to be discussed are legitimate issues with respects to trans people participating in opposite-gendered sports events, as well as the naming and labeling laws that have been instilled in certain parts of uh, the West and uh, around the world, as well as the psychological debate behind the the transition that, you know, a person feels to switch over to the opposite sex, as well as the health issues that pertain mainly to uh, hormone therapies used amongst trans children and adolescents. So, Let's start with one of the more simpler arguments, and that is the debate about trans athletes. Now, here's the thing with that. You have one side of the spectrum who tend to be more liberal-leaning, that think, hey, even after two years of hormone therapy, which is actually the guideline uh, for almost all trans athletes to go through prior to competing in sports that are, you know, biologically opposite of them, so... After two years of the hormone therapy, you can compete regardless if there's an imbalance in your hormonic levels because ultimately, if you put trans people aside, uh, some women do indeed have naturally higher testosterone levels than others, right? And so it would be unfair to then exclude trans women from competing in the gender category that they've now transitioned into. However, the argument to that is that the reasoning behind this strictly comes from the idea of being fair and including everyone, right? This is mainly, uh, you know, liberal-leaning views. And to those that argue against that, I suggest you do plenty of research on this topic, on, and that's what you'll find. Most of the time, uh, liberal-leaning people will speak on the whole, you know, it's, it's only right to include everyone, and, you know, everyone has to be fair to one another and whatnot. Now, two years of hormone therapy will ultimately not replace your core biological properties, not even close, So, if you were a man that has now transitioned to a woman and has had hormone therapy and a sex change and gone through the entire process, you still biologically have muscle fibers and tissues and strength of a male when compared to other naturally born females. Now yes, maybe they would have noticeably less testosterone levels compared to that of a a non-transgender male, however, they would largely still be at an advantage over the woman in which they compete against. So let me give you a quick example, uh, example, Maxine Blythin, whom is actually the United Kingdom's first cricket trans player, was formerly a man who's now identified as a woman. And you know what, more power to her, I, I have no problem with that, nor should anybody else to be quite frank. However... When it comes to the discussion of sports, Maxine had a batting average of about 15 when playing on the men's team prior to her transition. So when she was still a man, she had a batting average of 15. And yet now, after transitioning to identifying as a woman, she has a batting average of 124 in the women's division. Now, here's the thing that conservative-leaning thinkers tend to argue, that just because the trans movement advocates on behalf of fairness and inclusion, the fact that not allowing trans women and trans men into certain uh, sporting leagues is unfair and uninclusive uh, is, is preposterous simply because of their biology, right? So that's what cons- uh, conservative-leaning thinkers will argue. So on one side, you have the argument that everyone should be included for the sake of inclusion and fairness, and then the the, uh, the other side, you have the reference to biology and the scientific fact that there would be both unfair advantage uh, advantages and disadvantages, depending on, you know, which way you choose to transition if you were a trans person. Now, I see both perspectives. However, here's the thing, and bear with me on this. Life itself isn't fair. So, in my humble opinion, I tend to lean a little more conservative on this particular topic, because... You can't say that, you know, they should be included, uh, you know, women who have, uh, sorry, men who have now transitioned over to identifying as a woman can participate in women's style, uh, women's gender sports because, you know, now they identify as a woman. I mean, their biology and their muscle fibers and tissues are still that of a male's. And so if they say, well, you know, she should still be allowed to play because, you know, it's not fair if she isn't. But, you know, life isn't fair. It never has been and it never will be. Now, let me be the first to say that although, like, you know, conservative-leaning thinkers uh, are referencing the science in this argument, conservatives in the past hist- historically are have only referenced science when it suits them. There have been tons tons of times when uh, conservatives and conservatives Republicans and conservative-like thinkers have ignored science because, you know, they claimed it was cheating God or it went against, you know, their political agenda, right? So I'll be the first to say that. And I do applaud, although I do applaud the people that are trying to make things more fair for the LGBTQ community, just like everything in life, there are certain realities and consequences to certain decisions, just like with anything else. Now, let me be very clear. I'm not saying that life is unfair For the LGBTQ community only. And I'll support that by giving an example that I think uh, fits perfectly in this kind of context. And that is, in the Western world, by law, you cannot join the military if you have a history of mental health. Particularly depression. Now yes, there are legal ways around it. Like I mean, you can hide it, right? But it, it will come out eventually one day. And so that applies to both men and women who would like to join the army. Right. So regardless of your gender, if you had a mental health issue in the past, regardless of how long ago it was, you are forbidden to join the army. Now, I can see the army's perspective on this, which is simply that they actually don't want to discriminate, but they also have to accept the reality that there's no room for mentally weak people when it comes to defending the country. And I couldn't agree more. And so I will be the first to admit that, you know, my opinion is sprinkled all over this explanation. But let me again be clear that I have no problem with trans people or people who advocate for fairness and inclusion. But, like I mentioned earlier, there are certain realities similar to not being admitted in into certain high-level universities because you didn't have the grades to do so. I mean, are people going to complain that that's not fair either? You know, I, I didn't get accepted into the university I, I wanted to go to, so it's unfair that I didn't get accepted. But, I mean, you didn't get accepted because your grades weren't good, Right? I mean, I didn't go to university myself, mainly because I didn't want to, but also because my grades were shit. You don't see me complaining, right? So in this particular situation, I'm not leaning, I mean, in theory, I would lean to the right, yes, more to more conservative-like thinking because of the science, but that's the main purpose, because of the science. And it's just my my humble, honest opinion. Again, it's great to have disagreements with people, but at the end of the day, I think it's important to note that life is not fair, life is not safe, right? And so I've given a couple different examples in this case, and I think that in this particular situation, it's important to understand that the science has to back up the fact that, you know, when men uh, transition to being identified as women and then go into play in woman gendered sports, they still have the biological muscle fiber tissue and uh, structure of a male, and so they're more than likely going to fucking dominate every other woman on that field regardless of the sport, right? And so the argument that the left makes in the sense of fairness and inclusion, it can't always be the case. It, it can't always be because life has been unfair for a long time and that, that can't just suddenly change. I mean, it's good to try to make things more fair, but it depends on this, on the context of the situation, right? I mean, people have tried to complain about joining the army who have suffered from mental depression or mental health issues in the past. But at the end of the day, the army is, you know, standing firm on their statement, and you can't have weak-minded people defending the country, and it's true. Just like, like I said, if you you throw a woman onto a, uh, a a male who now identifies as a woman onto a field full of women, they're going to fucking kill everyone. So, that's my, uh, that's my thought on that. I mean, their genetics are naturally composed to the person, to biologically the person they were born as, so... Now the next topic is probably the most significant one and that is the stance and direction that government has taken on the labeling of trans people. Now I feel this needs to be discussed because there are certain sub-level of governments not always federal ones but in some cases in some cases federal ones that have deemed it a literal hate crime. Literally a fucking hate crime. To refuse to accept that a trans woman cannot be referred to as a man in any way. And also that if you do not refer to specific legalized pronouns to define these people, you in essence could literally be charged with a hate crime. And the same goes uh, the other way around. That a trans man cannot be referred to as a woman. So it applies both ways. Now, the problem with this is that who is the government to tell us what we can and cannot be calling any type of person in any given circumstance, right? It's like if the government made it a law to specifically call, I don't know, let's say a soccer player, a football player. And if you, after that was put into law, if you called them a soccer player, then you would be charged with a hate crime. It's fuck. it's ridiculous. Now, the problem that stems from this is that The governments that have instilled these types of laws and legislations, regardless of your political view, have essentially used this law to tell you how to think and construct your thoughts. And this entire concept is scary, not because it has to do with trans people, not at all, but because it shows that the government can use any form of lawmaking or institution to reference something that isn't entirely agreed upon in order for them to create a law around it and therefore literally dictate to you, the people, how you can address certain types of people. And again, that literally has a chain reaction and it's scary because it filters down to the way that somebody thinks. Now, let me also clarify though that I would point this argument out to any category or aspect of life that would be deemed unfair, not just to trans people. And because there are people who are in support of, for example, the inclusion and equality of trans people, like in sports that I just talked about, to play devil's advocate, wouldn't it also be unfair and unequal to limit the way that people may refer to them? Right? So if they're talking about fairness and equality, that should also apply to the way in which we refer to trans people, assuming it's not some type of aggressive verbal slur. So what I'm essentially doing is applying the same arguments of fairness and equality that trans advocates have used towards sports, and I'm applying it to this context now. That's all I'm doing. Now, with all of this being said, that does not mean I'm in any way in support of using, you know, verbal slurs to offend anyone of, you know, race, color, uh, sexuality, or otherwise. All I'm trying to do here is point out the specific arguments that are associated with each one of these situations. And also, I'm trying to provide insight through my own opinion in which I specifically state when I'm using my own opinion. So I will tell you when I'm using my opinion, and I won't sugarcoat it with facts. I won't blend that in. I'm not trying to push any kind of agenda. Because here's the thing. If fairness and equality is being pushed for trans people, which I'm in support of in most cases, then would it not also be fair to allow people to refer to trans people however they like? Again, assuming it's not some kind of offensive verbal slur. And so these are questions that need to be talked about more openly and honestly because ultimately people cannot be hiding from this topic of conversation forever, right? Now, it's kind of like one more thing I do want to add in is that it's kind of like, you know, if if you tend to be a heavier set person but then you go around saying, no, I identify as a skinny person. It's like, no, it's clearly evident that you're a heavier set person. So now it's like the government putting into law that if you refer to that person who identifies as skinny, if you refer to them as heavy or fat, it's now considered a hate crime. Now, of course, you're not going to go say to the guy, you fucking fat, so that would be more offensive, and that's not right. But at the same time, you can't have the government allow you to tell you you how to think either. Essentially, that's what's happening. Now, the next subject I'd like to talk about is the psychology behind what may go through uh, a trans person's mind. Now, this subject is not really anything of controversy for the most part, which is great, because I think it's important for people to accept other people's way of thinking. Now, just because someone accepts another person's way of thinking doesn't mean that they have to agree with it, but it should most definitely be respected. So the psychology behind a trans person's thoughts are obviously difficult to decipher unless you know, you've know you experienced it yourself. However, studies from the Cleveland Health Clinic have actually proven, uh, provided some insight into all of this so according to the Cleveland Health Clinic as which is also generally known by the medical and scientific community there are differences between the male and female brain now when a transgender brain is examined the brain actually resembles the gender that the person identifies as which is pretty cool so even if they're born of the opposite sex they have some of the structural characteristics of the opposite gender which they've chosen to identify as but here's the thing the brain similarities are not only structural but they're also functional as well. So there are functional similarities between the transgender brain and its I- identified gender. Now a lot of this has been thoroughly studied, so it isn't speculation. The use of MRIs has largely been of help in this area, and although the results are not yet inconclusive, they're getting pretty close. But there's still a lot to learn, as with many things. So you might ask, what does this have to do with the actual psychology behind transgender people? Well. When you look at it and you think about it, the thought processes of the brain actually influence the way in which the brain behaves and is structured, specifically over a prolonged period of time. So even though it would be difficult for a non-trans person like myself to try to figure out what has gone on in the mind of an actual trans person, I can certainly understand that studies have proven this isn't you know, some bullshit type of thinking that people in the past have thought it to be. Like, I mean, back in the 70s and 80s, uh, they thought it was some kind of... Um, derangement or some type of syndrome or problem that you had uh, if you consider to identify as uh, the opposite gender that you were born as. Now it is important to note that the vast majority of trans people are more than likely to suffer from anxiety and depression due not only to discrimination of course uh, because you know their personal choice to change genders but also because of the psychological confusion of gender dysphoria where they're in some cases still internally conflicted with who they identify as, right? So a lot of times they'll be still confused as to who they identify as, and that will actually lead to uh, depression and anxiety. And I could, I could see, I can see that happening, really. I could imagine that. I can't understand it because I've never been through it, but I can sort of perceive that in a way that would make sense. Um, I mean, and I would really want to elaborate on this topic, but it's really as simple as that without delving into the whole depression side of things, which, you know, depression can apply to everybody. Now, finally, we have a very medically concerning issue when it comes to the hormonal and the sexual changes that a young person or child would go through. So if their parents decide uh, to allow them to undergo this kind of sexual transformation, which is still being studied, then here's what we're going to have to look into. So it's recommended that hormone blockers be given only once puberty starts, on average at 105 for children born female and 115 in those assigned male gender at birth, right? So the ones that were born as males. Some youth find that their dysphoria debates as puberty starts, making it important to allow initial pubertal changes to occur. However, the drugs can also buy youth and children time to explore their gender identity and expression without having to worry about ongoing pubertal changes and development of secondary sexual characteristics that you know might be disturbing psychologically and not desired in their brains the drugs are used to block the hormones that normally increase during puberty so for youth also struggling with you know anxiety and mood disorders these drugs can actually act as a pause button The Endocrine Society, which is an international medical organization, says that cross sex or gender affirming hormones may be administered around the age of 16 or as young as 13 and a half, 14 ish, in special circumstances, if granted, right? However, that process troubles. Uh, One leading US expert who worries that without proper assessments by trained mental health experts Family doctors could be too quick to prescribe cross-sex hormones, which come with some irreversible uh, body changes, right? So testosterone for female to male can cause a permanent deepening of the voice, for example And estrogen for male to female transitioning causes breast development, which is difficult or next to impossible to reverse. Now, puberty blockers can be lifesavers for many transgender youth, um, cited by Dr. Laura Edwards, a clinical psychologist who helped create the first uh, uh, transgender hospital clinic in uh, Boston back in 2007. Now, she says there are certainly youth who persist in their gender, uh, gender dysphoria, but it's also not uncommon to have youth who a couple weeks ago decided that after talking with a friend or researching on the internet, that they might actually be transgender without a thorough mental assessment. Now, without this mental assessment, the risk is that teens may be started on irreversible medical interventions that really aren't appropriate, and they may later regret it which is the big concern in the medical community with regards to young kids wanting to change their genders so quickly and so immediately. Now, the same argument can also be made for other medications made to treat other conditions outside of sex changes that have nothing to do with this. However, the fact that things could be irreversible from a medical standpoint is a little bit frightening if later down the road a child who had initially planned to transition, realizes that they would like to reverse back to the gender that they were born as, right? And so, overall, I really do hope that I've provided kind of a, an overview of the, the medical, the political, and the psychological perspective about this topic, and I encourage it to be talked about more and more, because at the end of the day, the trans community is not going away, nor should they. However, there are still lots of debates that still need to be had with regards to the way that governments feel the need to step in and control what they think people should be discussing or whatnot, uh, or labeling and calling them and all that, right? Now, the trans community is definitely growing, and so I think it's important for people to at least be able to be comfortable discussing it instead of ignoring it. I think that's more important than ever, because for people to ignore an issue such as this one actually does more harm than if it were to actually be discussed. And like I said before, I'm not, I personally am not one to tell you what to say or what to think or what to do, but morally and ethically it would be right to accept that there are transgender people, even though you may not agree with their life choice, it's not your life, right? And so at the end of the day, I'm all for transgender people. I just think lots needs to be discussed, like I said, with regards to sports, with regards to the way in which legislation and law is passed, uh, not just in the Western world, but around the world. And I think that a deeper conversation needs to be had. But I made this episode because there's a lack of conversation going on. People think that if they have some kind of disagreement in the transgender, about the transgender community, they should not voice it. And that is not right either, because if transgender people can talk politics as they are now, then we can about, you know, politics going on between uh, different races and whatnot. Who's to say that these different races cannot discuss politics about their community either? Right. So it's a give and take kind of thing. And so I hope, again, I've uh, helped inform people as much as I could and uh, look forward to catching you guys next time. Thank you.